Welcome back to the David Watson podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. As always, if you can like and subscribe, it's always appreciated. And today I spoke to an incredibly interesting guy. Uh, His name is Jeff, Jeff Jensen. And Jeff, it would appear, has been at war with various water boards since privatisation. There were so many things he and I could have got into, so many things that we could have talked about. And the best place to start is just to let you, let him tell you himself. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Good afternoon. Welcome to the David Watson podcast. Thank you again for sticking with me. For those at home, this is the second time Jeff and I have tried to get this on and we've surpassed all technical difficulties this time. <laughs> Thank you, David. Actually, it's not, I'm one of the Neanderthals, as you can see from my grey hair and my... Um, yes, my appearance. I think we're all. I think there's quite a few of our generations struggling to evolve. <laughs> yes, and this is the first one I've done. So, so please excuse my um, my technical incompetence. Um, yeah, well, this week's news of, of how the water companies have offered to um, spend ten billion pounds uh, over the next, I don't know, ten years, twenty years. It can, to solve this problem of the sewage being dumped in the sea, which has been going on for 40 years, uh, even well, even before privatisation. But it was privatisation that has stopped, has stopped, literally stopped all work on getting rid of the problem. Yeah. Um, before privatisation, Margaret Thatcher's um, the chairman of the Conservative Party, Mr. McAlpine's firm, were building um, long sea outfalls. And the, we were the only country in Europe to be building long sea outfalls. Can I, just, and so, can I just pause a second to get some clarification? Long sea outfalls, is that literally a huge long pipe into the sea that we yeah. pump raw sewage into the water? Exactly. Untreated sewage was going out to sea as an alternative to building sewage works on land. Yeah. And there was 80, 80, 80 were proposed in the in the period in the 1980s, after Mrs. Thatcher got into power in 1979. Yeah. Um, so um, the, 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 the um, parliamentary committee set up by Hugh Rossi um, into um, the, the Environment Committee, uh, they set up anything in, into sea outfalls, and they decided they weren't suitable. Um, Mrs. Thatcher's advisors, Slaughter and May, they found <laughs> basically because somehow or other they known known of my invention, um, which would cut the cut the cost of sewage on land sewage treatment plants and they could be fitted either along the coast in a in the in a, in a marina on the quay alongside the i think or in the in the run up to the in the fields or whatever it was before it got to the, the coast they could be on a marina out in the coast on a on a harbor anything like that because it's all under the underneath and there was no smell and there was everything yeah unfortunately, unfortunately the patents were stolen and they were used by northumbrian water 
So on just, I just want to um, back up again. Is so because you you mentioned that you had an invention. Um, so we'll yeah. talk about what that invention is as well in a minute. Um, but just just to clarify, how much of this was cost cost effective? And also in the the 70s, as I vaguely remember them, nobody gave a shit about, no pun intended, but nobody gave a shit about environmental causes. You know, yeah. the, the way that people think about the environment today and the arguments over climate change, that, that wasn't going on in the 70s. No, so no, the no. idea that you would even care about kicking shit out into the sea wasn't part of the argument. So how much of it was they just didn't care and was it um, also cheaper to just build pipes out? Or was it just like, no, it's none of that. It's just job for the boys. Well, it was the, when they nationalised the water companies in Ted Heath's period of government between 1969, 1973, I think it was, they nationalised the water authorities. Yeah. And they joined all the local councils the, the the sewage treatment plants and the sewage systems were all run by the local councils so something like the grc uh before the grc it was west um it was middlesex essex um county councils for example who had their sewage works and you've got the ones at essex has got one at beckton kent's got them at um crossness um, Middlesex had theirs at Isleworth, um, Mogden, and these were big sewage works. And the, the sewage was um, brought to them by sewers, obviously. But all this, all the um, sewage, the problem was was that the when the sewers were overwhelmed with rain, they they had these combined storm overflows, and before privatisation, the water companies were work. I was working with people in, in, in the water companies, and we were all working in, in the same, along the same lines. Yeah. And the old chaps who ran the sewage works, they understood what to do, and so they were all looking, you know, making sure that sewage works was working properly. And when it became privatised, they sacked all the blokes who understood. How the sewage works worked, yeah, and stopped developing new the, the processes that, that, that was was being developed. But that that's the a bit I'm I'm trying to understand is how much of it was about saving money, and how much of it was actually no, they just didn't know, they didn't know and didn't care. Because there, no, there is about, a difference. Oh yeah, it was about saving money. It was you about saving money. Yeah, when they privatised, for example, Northumbrian Water, which is the one that I've been at trouble with all the time, well, when they sold it off, it was sold off for £122.65 million pounds the, the, the um, exchequer got from the, from the sale, from the shale sale, and that was in 1989. Um in the following year, they, well, they, they wrote off with the government's um, allowance about three hundred and fifty million pounds, I think it was. And then directors of the company 
reloaded the company with debt of 450 million pounds. Yeah. And they then paid themselves a massive one pounds eighty six to one hundred and eighty six pounds per share dividend. So they ripped literally at the time of privatization, the Northumbrian water directors ripped off shareholders. And this was all done, of course, with Slaughter and May's permission. Because um, sure. they were the But that but that's what I'm saying is is obviously the, you know privatization is always going to be loved by some hated by others right and i'll chuck my two pence worth in in the fact that i was a kid so the idea that i understood the concept of what was going on is, is farcical you know i was born in 1974 but one of the things i'm interested in especially um so that we can kind of get to what it was you invented and what was taken from you is there's this there's a difference between they knew because like, like i said i don't remember really anybody caring about the environment the way we do today you know back back in the 70s i don't remember i remember vaguely in the 80s sting was on a campaign to save the uh, the brazilian rainforest because mm. apparently that was disappearing at the rate of whales mm. every day and there was something and you know we had to stop being using certain aerosols and hairspray because of an ozone layer but the way that they talk about the environment and conservation today was not the way it was spoken about in the 70s and the 80s. So how much of it was nobody cared? Oh, the, people who cared the people who cared were the professionals, the engineers who ran the sewage works, the, the old chaps, as I call the old boys. Who, so th so that, that, that's, yeah, so that answers my question. Yeah. So what I'm saying is... Nobody because they've just flushed it down the low, away it went, and that's as far as everybody cared. Yeah, that answers my question. Yeah, that is, it, it wasn't a question of they knew best. Nobody cared to start with. The people that bought the the bought the the the, the privatization of water, the water companies, that they were effectively hedge fund managers, accountants, yeah. wh whatever, and it never had anything to do with environmental policy or any kind they of ethos were, of how to make the world a better place yeah, it was they how just, cool. yeah they, they were asset strippers and we this is a business and we're going to turn it this is kind of one of those things where people get involved in a business without actually knowing what the business is and then strip it of their assets um, and wonder why it stops working i think they yeah well the trouble was um sewage treatment is not rocket science but they are very there's more people who understand rocket science than sewage treatment that's and this is a problem. <laughs> and, you know, it's not very, it's not, you know, people will uh, look at the way the thing went to the moon and uh, went to the moon and think well, that was wonderful, but they don't care about the sewage. <laughs> they don't care about that. Yeah. And funny enough, when I was in that year, we went to the moon, I, I was, I went to Sweden and as I was waiting to get on the ferry from Helsingor to Helsingborg. I looked over the side and there was just a stream of turds and shit going out into the sound. Yeah. Now that was stopped. That was, and that was 1968 the year. And they, and they then themselves, that's when they start that com country, Denmark and Sweden on the side of the sound, they were building sewage works yeah. rather than pumping the sewage untreated into the sea. So just so explain that was, to that people was, what's, what you mean when you say sewage works. 
And sewage works and sewage treatment works. So in other words, the, all the sewage comes in from domestic sewage plus rainwater plus industrial effluent waste. And it goes into a system where it's biologically treated. Um, and there's two or three different, or two different methods of doing it, basically. And one is the filter bed that you see beside the railway line where it goes round and round and round and the stuff trickles through. Uh, that's aer aeration, biofiltration. Um, prior to that, they have a settlement tank and then they have a, another settlement tank after, afterwards to let it all settle out. And the other system is activated sludge where all the stuff comes into a big tank. They just blow air into it for 20, 12 hours roughly and then let it settle out again and some of the sludge is pumped back to the beginning to keep it going. So they're, they're fairly, they were invented about the end of the 1900s. The first one was the biofiltration system. Um, that was invented about 1880, and the activated sludge was about 1910. What is um, um, activated sludge? Well, it's a, it's a process where you just bring the sewage in, mix it with the sludge that's come from the, from the uh, end, and the sludge that's come from the end is basically biomass. It's bugs uh, that swim around, and these bugs, they oxidise the carbon first, the form of sugar. It's the basic form that they can oxidise. Um, and then it, then it, on, it goes to oxidise the ammonia, which comes from the urine. So you have loads of bacteria, different, different sorts of bacteria, and they vary from... Um, virus not virus size almost you know but amoeba type things if you ever remember them from biology lessons to rotifers which get bigger and bigger into tiny worms which you can almost identify under a microscope as worms but the filter bed you can actually see the the literal earthworms because they're in air but the earthworms can't swim very well yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> so, they don't. so the the filter bed is a good source. If you go, if you're a fisherman, a, a biological filter bed was always a good source of earthworms for fishing. So um, if you keep up with the thing going round, you know you're all right. Yeah. So so that 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 was just sort of standard sewage treatment plant, which they that was a What I did was worked out that if you combine the two systems together, you get the advantages of both. And it would half the power consumption of an activated sludge plant, and double the double the um, effectiveness of the biofiltration plant by removing, getting rid of sludge. So you get rid of the sludge. But the main advantage of it was you got rid of the ammonia, and it's the ammonia that's the problem in sewage treatment because the ammonia kills the fish at very low doses, yeah. especially in warm water like the River Thames, for example. And there's a reason why salmon can't go up the Thames anymore is because there's so much ammonia comes in from the sewage works at Ross um, Ness, Beckton and Mogden that, they, that, that's, that salmon and sea trout and those sort of fish can't get up. Although they tried several times to reseed some of the rivers. They were very good salmon rivers. Um, and before... Um, I, I, I suppose before the Great Sink happened in, in 1850, 1857, um, 
and they put this thing. There used to be an awful lot of salmon in the Thames, yeah. and it used to be a regular yeah. food for, for poor people. So we've <laughs> we have destroyed a good salmon river, basically, and it, it could be reinstated. I have a concept which is called the Land Green Route, where you instead of having combined storm overflows going into this giant cesspool which they're building at the moment. You have alongside each bank of them a series of sewage treatment plants underneath the um, underneath a new, slightly wider embankment on both sides, and it can be used for cycling along. And if you look at www London Green Route, you'll find find the website. Um, that's, so and that's what I spent the last um, five, five, six, seven years. I started twenty fifteen. Um, because when I heard about the, the Thames Tidebay Tunnel, I realised straight away it was going to be a problem. Mm. And I tried to persuade uh, initially Boris Johnson. Um, sorry, Boris Johnson. Yes, Boris Johnson. Um, because it was related to the they had a. Um, Uh, to get to, to, to get the money for it, they got an exemption from the from the from the European Union because they were giving state aid aid to a private company in Thames in Thames, in the shape of Thames Water. Yes. So they got this state aid, and Thames Water at the time roamed in the Cayman Islands, and Thames Water had been when it was privatised was first privatised for the people, and it was quite quickly sold off to a German firm. And they sold it on to a, an Australian firm called Macquarie. And it was, I think, it was a German firm, or it might have been Macquarie, when they first mooted the Thames Tubby Tunnel. And basically, it was a, a tax evasion scheme that went wrong because right. they, the way that the Thames, Thames avoided paying tax was that they, they borrowed money from their Cayman Islands company, their Cayman Islands company, which they were going to invest. To offset yeah. there, so, so they and they loaded the company up with debt and put the money in the through the Cayman Islands. So they got these banks, which was and the whole thing was this whole thing with sewage <laughs> going into the sea is all about um, disjointed financial systems. It's all done as a sort of smoke and mirrors, I suppose you'd call that. Yeah. So why do consecutive governments keep voting against changing you know because we just had one recently with the conservatives in the last year and they, they they voted against cleaning up the water yeah exactly but it's not the first time that that's happened and it's happened with various governments so well i, I you know i'm not going to accuse tony blair no, no, being, but, uh, but that, that's what i'm trying to understand is the thames tarbay tunnel was first mooted but it was under Margaret Thatcher was, was the um, privatization of water. Yeah, but and the problem with that the problem with that argument now is it's nearly forty years ago. Yeah, yeah. So but what I try to understand is so so like I said, I'm not trying to excuse them. I'm not right because, but what I'm trying to understand is we are you, you're talking like 1979 so it's 89 99 too so that it's 30 odd years ago wasn't it no 40 yeah it was 40 just it's over 1980 yes it's 40 years right yeah so 
when you're looking at that, that's 40 years ago. And as a general rule of thumb, nobody gave a shit about what the planet was doing in 1979. It it wasn't the industry it is today. So what I'm trying to understand is when we are where we are today and we're investing billions, if not trillions, into electric cars, toxic batteries and everything else, and we have much simpler solutions right on our doorstep for cleaner water, why the fuck yeah. are they not doing it? Is what I'm trying to get to. I have I, I, asked myself this many times, and I have to say, it's the people at the top are corrupt. Um, okay. I'll accept that. <laughs> and I don't know and, any and of them, so I, I don't know anyone to defend. Let's go back to the 2019 election. Um, Jeremy Corbyn and his exchequer, uh, John McDonald wanted to re-nationalise water, didn't they? They want to re-nationalise water, electricity, railway and everything else. And that's all been dropped by Sir Keir Starmer. So you have to wonder what's what's happened to Sir Keir Starmer drop what was a very popular system. Even going back to the previous time when um, Ed Miliband, he wanted to, to re-nationalise water because they were getting a lot of stick from people complaining about sewage going into rivers. This is, dinners, uh, this is a bit I, I don't remember. understand, is why we're still today in 2023 pumping crap out into the water. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because, uh, and why politicians, if, if you know, because I know recently, I think it was, last, it was either last year or the year before, it was voted through in Parliament when they tried to push through a bill to clean up the water. There's a, a sign on the bridge in um, between the library and the maltings which says something like John Glenn voted for, for dumping sewage into rivers. Yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen no, that sign, yeah. So for, for people that are listening, this is a sign over the River Avon in Salisbury that points out the MP for Salisbury, John Glenn, voted against a... Um, a bill that was being pushed through Parliament to clean up the water, and, yeah. and that, that's important to the River Avon because it's it's a chalk stream river, which is you know wonderful. I mean, I've worked clear on the River Avon. The, 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 the Wessex water plants at Ratfin and Amesbury. There's a problem there, and there's a, they, they've been there's been a Mayfly crash on the Avon, on the, yeah. which is a chalk stream, and it's very important that, that you know that's sorted out because. When when sewage, what people don't understand, it's not the the fact that the river's polluted for a short period and the rain comes and washes it all that all away again. You know, the, the, it goes down the river. Say the pollution stops, but these repeated pollutions. What happens is that the bed of the river becomes enriched by phosphate, um, nitrate. Yeah. Um, an organic material which blinds the, the the gravel in the river, say, in the chalk streams. And the, in a chalk stream, the water comes up from underneath. And when the water can't come up from underneath to clean this river up, the the little um, fish fry and the and the larvae of the flies they can't get their um, oxygen. They rely on it's this oxygen that's coming up with the water from underneath. And 
the chalk streams are a very um, fragile environment. Fergal Shark, he's a great advocate of this. He's a keen yeah, fisherman. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. And also another person was, was Jeremy Paxman. He went on about salmon water uh, polluting a river down in other which I, which river it was. But not long ago, he was very, very prone. And, and I think Southern Water got fined hundred million pounds, and that was really. And Jeremy Paxman probably would try to avoid <laughs> the yeah. fact that he, he he influenced it. But he knows he knows the, the rich and powerful, and he knew, knew knew which one to phone up and say, "Look, yeah, you've got to do something about this." And um, and if you don't, I'll, I'll I'll get you on the telly and give you a good dogging, so to speak. Um, so. You know, it, it's about people like Fergal Sharkey, who's got a profile. There's a chap who did the the, the program fishing with his mate um, Bob. Um, is it? I can't remember. Bob Bob Mortimer, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reeves the, and Mortimer thing. Yeah, Reeves and Mortimer, but not not Reeves. Is it? it's, yeah, it's Bob, Bob Mortimer, Mortimer. Yeah, and another a comedian. Um, they yeah. did those fishing pro, but yeah. They, they also did one on streams being polluted. And it's this sort of thing that's getting people noticed. But the, the technology has been there for 40 years, solved the problem. I did it, but the, because it was stolen from me. So and let, let's get into that then. What is it that you invented? Well, what I invented was a quite a, I, I was working um, at Clarchester, these um, firm that made the, the septic tanks. We went on to start making sewage treatment plants, and we used a process called um, the bio disc, which is a rotating disc, half in the sewage, half out of it. And the problem was that the plants. If, if it was fed sewage from a septic tank, it went through the plant in a very short space of time because the way that small plants get, they get very peaky flows. Yeah. And it was just washing all the sewage through, going into the final plant, and all the stuff was coming up and sludge was coming to the surface, which is called rising sludge. And then the water going out was very high in ammonia. And so we were losing... Um, we're getting complaints from Water Authority. This was a plant in the yard, one of their own plants. And I, I sort of, I got ONC chemistry, ordinary national certificate in chemistry. So I knew a little bit about it. I went to a, a thing about um, septic sewage, and they talked about septic sewage. And there was somebody there, I think a Water Authority guy who still runs, I think, something high up in one of the water companies. But he, had a, wrote quite a good paper and it, and it explained nitrification and denitrification. And so I worked out that the, if you recirculate the sludge and mostly the water, which contains nitrate now, which is a very good source of oxygen, send that back to the beginning, that gets rid of the septicity. And so then bring it back through the plant, there's no septicity and the sewage gets treated very well. And just keep on doing this. And I recently built a plant in Mustique. The first plant I built for 26 years was in Must because I was banished by uh, Robin Jacob Casey, a judge in the Patents High Court. Um, I, 
from blacklisted from working because I had this two hundred thousand pound cost sold on me. So I was blacklisted from working, and the industry itself has been blacklisting me because I, I've I'm not of the right sort, shall we say? Um, uh, I, I don't roll trouser leg up, and yeah. shake hands in the fashion. So, if, um, how was it? Because you patented this, didn't you? Yes, I patented it. Yes, indeed. I applied for a patent. Yeah. But but before I could get the patent through to Grant, the company that we'd license it to, the director of the company, um, his brother-in-law was a patent agent, and they must have had a discussion. He said, I've got a very good invention here. And the patent agent said, ah, my brother is going to become part of Northumbrian Water. And when it gets privatised, and it'd be very nice for that company to have. And so he explained, and this is a big problem with the English patent system. The English patent system is the inventor has no control over what happens to the patent. Once the patent agent, has, is, if he's a corrupt patent agent, he can take it away from the patent because he, the, the invent, inventor doesn't have to sign any papers. Now, that law in, doesn't apply in Europe. So in Europe, the patent of the inventor has to sign all the papers on, on, on the invention. So when there's a license given to somebody, he has to sign a paper. If it's a, the patent's assigned to somebody else, he has to sign, sign the documents. And so, in so England... just Yes, yeah, so just to clarify, so, so then in the UK... They don't have to be able to prove they invented it. No, they don't have to. No, what happens in in the UK? The inventor has no right to what how the patent is used. So once yes. once the patent, if if he if 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 say I was the employer has the control of the patent. If an if an inventor is employed by the company, the inventor has no control over that patent. The patent belongs to the, same as the Dyson employs somebody to invent something. Yeah, yeah, but, but I mean that, that that's kind of familiar wherever you go in the world. That if you if you work for a company who's and you're the designer for the company, anything you design is their yeah. property. Yeah. Now, when I did, when what happened was my staff at Clarkson, my product development staff, were sacked by by somebody who also rolled his trouser legs up. Um, they were all sacked on, on his instruction, and I was really annoyed. And so I, I decided, well, I've, I've got this really good idea. I'm going to go and do it by myself. But it, it, I just, it was just impossible. It was too big for me, basically. And so we licensed it to Entech, and the managing director of Entech decided it was such a good idea. He'd like to set up a tax evasion scheme using my patents. And this, this is the, you know, the bit I'm trying to understand. The bit I'm trying to understand is, did at what point did you hold the actual? So you applied for the patent. Yeah, I personally, I applied for the patent myself. I went to see a patent agent in Letchworth. It was yeah, and but, a, 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 we and we is wrote that the, the point where he then you were then double. No, that, no, that's not the no, that's not the problem. I invented, I had the patent, but my backers, they owned. 45% of the, uh, I only had 45% of this company 
but the the patent my backers who formed a company just to develop this patent so the patent belonged to me until i till i signed it to the company but it, it was never assigned to company so the patent belonged to me when it was when when the director of the company decided to stop paying paying my backers for the for, for using it and he wanted the patent he he was decided that he should have the patent to do with it what he wanted and his brother-in-law became the person who was going to do the do the deed because the patent agent could then and so another patent agent it was transferred from my patent agent and i i i, I was forced into doing it um and i didn't actually sign any documents or anything so they had to forge documents to get this patent transferred right. and eventually it was the, the, the method was used by northumbrian water and i've got all you know this, this you, went know, to you, court. Sh you showed me all of that paperwork when we met at the pub yeah. When yeah, we, uh, yeah. um, so for those who are not aware the bridge in in the woodfords has a working example of jeff's design yeah it's been there since 1989 oh, since, yeah about 1989 yeah uh funny enough i was i was talking to the lady about doing some servicing work on it <laughs> this week on wednesday <laughs> i had some i had lunch there again and lorna the lady who owns it and i have been discussing um yeah, improving it because she needs. She thinks it needs. Uh, um, she's got more customers now, and it's quite popular. And yeah. she would like it. It's been there for thirty. Uh, was it thirty-three years? Thirty-four years? How many and houses? Needs, do you know how many houses it services? Um, well, it services the pub, and uh, I think there's about six or eight houses in that little bit of the village. Yeah, it services, but it's it's the number of number of people who visit the pub every day I and mean, she's got a very yeah, good thousands of people go through there yeah. every year yeah oh yeah i mean she's uh, lorna was telling me she sells 300 mils regularly um on a saturday um no that's but i don't know that's the day and yeah, i think that's probably fair i mean you and i have been there plenty of times you know you and i had lunch at Lunch yeah. there, and we've been there separately plenty of times. And if you go to the bridge in, in the Woodfords on a sunny day with the beer garden by the wonderful Chalk Stream River, Island, river. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, they they probably do go for at least a hundred people a, an afternoon at least. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, and they've yeah, no uh, problem, probably if not three hundred. You know, it's a yeah. busy pub. It's a busy pub. So busy pub, yeah. And it's open all, on a Sunday, for example. You've got yeah. families come there. 12 o'clock and they're you know and they're there all afternoon so yeah it's, it's probably um, not un, unreasonable to say you know it services of you know a few quite a few for a thousand people every year and the and the sewage coming out of there i've got some results from it and the, the ammonia level is 0 0.009 well the normal um parts per million the normal allowed level is up to 10 parts per million but that always assumes that the river is going to have eight times the flow of the sewage works coming out so yeah. otherwise it gets diluted down to below so, one because one i was just going to say is to give people a, a visual in their own mind if, if they were to look at this what would they be seeing 
Well, the, my, the, the concept of my plant is that it should all be below ground or below, you know, yeah. you shouldn't see anything because it's not open top tank. I mean, this is the big disadvantage of the activated sludge plants. You've got all these open tanks and during COVID, there is a risk of the aerosol that comes off the off the aeration tanks. Of if you look, if you studied the COVID, um, various COVID, uh, now there, there was sort of a, 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 like a a map done of COVID and it, how the places were getting more and more COVID and where where it started from. Well, the, the Kent variant, you can see it started from near Beckton um, or Crossness. I can't remember which one it was. But it, it yeah, my Crossness, because it was obviously on the Kent side river. But you could actually sort of track it down down towards the, yeah. the, the Dover, literally around. So the, the Kent variant was being spread there. Um, the, the early, the, the very first COVID, um, I I think was was transmitted from London Airport, London Airport sewage goes into Mogden. In fact, if you when you're a fly out of, of but, um, but that's most I think most people will accept that COVID the initial transmissions came from the airport because oh. it's, it's just how it gets into a, any country, isn't it? And then you know if if you've got one person walking through Heathrow coughing and spluttering with any virus. They're potentially oh, yeah. um, infect a potentially infect a thousand people before they get to the doors. But but it's well known it's well known that, that, that in the SARS epidemic that that COVID was being transmitted in, in Hong Kong through the through the sewage system the ventilation system from the sewers in a block of flats. Yeah, no, and it makes sense. But, but but that that's proven. what I mean because well that that's why I'm asking people for uh, for the visual because I. Uh, you know most people won't is won't understand how these things work because i'm lucky i i've met you and i've sat down looked at the diagrams looked at the pictures looked at websites with you i i've seen all the documentation from parliament and mps and solicitors so i've, I've seen all of this so but in terms of a visual most people don't understand what what that you're talking about like a an open top tank with a flow system for it, where sludge, am I correct? Sludge goes to the bottom. Some of it's recirculated, but the clean water goes over the top, and that and it's stop, that yeah. that creates the high nitrates and low ammonia. Yeah, and um, but by keeping it all underground, you can have it literally underground. The system can be literally underground. You could. Do, I, I built one in Mustique a year ago, and literally the system is inside. Uh, uh, um, uh, it's only it's only about it's like a raised bed basically. Yeah. It's about sort of uh, up to knee height, I suppose, and the rest of it's below below ground level. And this is and then they've got plants growing out the side and plant on the top, and so you can't so all the sewage that in in the plant is been it's got about six or eight inches of earth before any any vapour or, or any um, aerosol that is going to be trapped before it gets out. And so you don't even, you know, uh, and the smell, and the smells, if there are smells, they're all held back in the earth, um, naturally by natural biological reaction. 
Um, and so the sewage treatment, um, if you think about it in the past, it, it, it's natural soil bacteria. And so when, when you've got small populations well spread out, it's perfectly acceptable to, to treat the sewage in the, in, in the land. Yeah. And that is how it, how it was originally done. They used to call them sewage farms. And the Chinese and Indians, they have these people who take out what they call night soil and they put it out into the, in, onto the land. And that's how it was done before they invented the sewage. Because I've seen systems, I don't know if it's the same, but I've seen systems where it's a series of three or four ponds, one after the other. And by the time you get to the last pond, it's clean water. Yeah, yeah, they're oxidation ponds. They they only work when there's temperatures uh, high enough to um, get the bacteria working right. So it has to be about 30 degrees C. But the problem with those, of course, is then you've got mosquitoes, so you get dengue and things like that, which... So, so that's that's why you don't want that system. Um, I mean, that's why I couldn't put that system in Mustique because they get dengue there. And um, in fact, that the, the the name for Mustique is Mosquito Island originally. Oh, nice. <laughs> so that they turned it. And, and when um, Lord Glen Connor, whatever his name was, Colin Tennant went over there, he changed name to Mustique. But um, so and. Uh, and there's no, there's literally no ponds. There's, there's no water, no surface water on the island because, because of this deng- dengue. But on St Vincent, which is um, where the, the the natives lived, the, the ex-slaves or the children of slaves or descendants of slaves live, um, they've got water. And of course, dengue is a problem. People do get dengue and die of dengue. Yeah. Um, um, just, I'm just conscious of um, our time. So, if you were to go, if you were able to ask people to do something like contact their local MPs or, or look at a website, it, it's how, how would you suggest that people raise awareness to this? Because public pressure can win through, but only if oh, the yeah. public knows. Well, well, the thing, the thing at the moment, I think there is a. a we are we are on top of this from the point of view of public pressure. There's been so much public pressure come on in the last few months and last well yeah, I mean this this thing like the sign over the river Aiden with John Glenn's name on it, it was probably a bit unfair on John, but um he, he wasn't the only MP that voted against it. He wasn't the only one though, and he was whipped. He, he, he would have lost his job if he if he voted against yeah. it. So, so it wasn't. It's not fair on John to blame him as the only one. But it's unfortunate that, that um, if if you're in a in a party at the MP, he has to follow the party line. Otherwise, he especially loses his job as you think he was in the Treasury at the time. So, he, and um, yeah. So, so so yes. But that's that's the thing. It is very much on the thing. It was on television on. Channel 4 yesterday, it was on BBC, radio, uh, on the Today programme. There was Jill Plimmer from the Financial Times was talking to Sarah Montague on the on the World at One yesterday. And Jill Plimmer is very, very knowledgeable on this whole thing about, from the Financial Times, on the, on the problem caused, which has been caused by privatisation, the way that the 
the, the water companies have, have just extracted huge amounts of dividends rather yeah. than investing it in doing it. And this is basically the, the, the whole, you know, that's going back to the whole problem. If we spent the money in 1989 doing the work, we wouldn't have this problem now. No, but the, the thing with that is we do have the problem. And 1989 yeah. is never going to come back. So no, we don't. So who who should who should who should people look up to get involved? You know, because like you say, there is more awareness. But one of the the things that people can find difficult is actually who they should look up, who they should support, and who they should join. So who well, would you suggest people look well, up? Well, the thing is, I mean, I, I I'm not going to really advocate political parties, but no, the no, one but party. Like, is you know, you just mentioned that that uh, lady on World at One. Um, yeah. What other groups or campaigners are out there? Well, the, the, the World at One um, is the Sir Montague and also the Today program. I'm quite close. Quite close to them. They, they, I've been writing to to them for well, <laughs> an awful long time, and they and they do um they do help me so i'm and that and it's really it's getting to, through to journalists um and and journalists in several papers now have, have been taking this on and literally it's it's um if, if it's a politician if, if it's a local authority uh, elections or if they're national elections it's obviously the politicians but that both parties, the Labour and the Conservative Party, at the moment don't seem to be you know, willing to do anything about it because of their people who are backing backing them financially. But that's, and that's this is, always going to be the problem uh, unless you can put public pressure on them. Because yeah. all MPs, you know, regardless of what people think of MPs, um, and maybe there's a debate about their integrity, the one thing that they are very loyal to is the risk of losing their seat. And yeah. regardless of what comes down from the whip, if they're going to lose their seat, they'll they'll vote in the right direction. Yeah. And there are MPs who do vote against the vote against the whip. I mean the classic club was Jeremy Corbyn was always voting against the, the Tony Blair government. Yeah, so, you know, what happened and, to him? So. <laughs> you see, obviously the the people who supported Tony Blair shafted him and shafted Jeremy Corbyn. And so this is um, this is the problem, that in politics you don't know who to support, you know, who to go to. And it is, it, I think it's really it's supporting people like there's this, the Surfers Against Sewage, there's the Windrush campaign in Oxford. Surfers Against Sewage is a sort of much nat more natural campaign. There's some ladies' groups in Leeds, swimmers, cold water swimmers. Right. There's people who swim on off beaches in Exeter. And these are the people we've got to really get behind. Applaud. Yeah. And get behind. And and you know, and if you if you know a local river that's being polluted, um, and it's very difficult to get information because you know, like fishermen, for example. You get a fisherman. I was told about um, Amesby sewage work by a, a friend of mine who happens to be a fisherman um, and he said to me can you go and see the people at the 
at the Salisbury District Angling Club and talked to them and 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 it's that sort of thing. It's it's the angling clubs on the rivers, the people who who swim in the rivers, people who who go uh, ball paddle boarding and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Sailors, um, okay. and it, it it and I mean there must be some sailors in Parliament who <laughs> whose boats are bobbing around with turds around them when <laughs> well, when they're in certain. I, I think there might there be a suggestion that would they know the difference? <laughs> and and on that note, it's probably the correct place to end. Thank you very much. I do appreciate your time today. Thank you, David. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, and I hope I haven't upset any people. <laughs>